that. We're going to read uh, from John chapter 11 today, and I, I just want to make a few statements before uh, about this service. I know you've been standing for a while, but if you can just bear with me, I've got to keep standing, so deal with it. Um, I do want to say that as believers, that we are not here following after signs. But that doesn't mean that we don't expect signs. Amen. Just because I'm not uh, following after the miracles and the signs and going here and going there, I understand I can't live for God that way. Wherever, wherever I think He is, I'm just going to follow the miracles. No, Jesus had a lot to say about the crowds who followed Him for that reason. However, I can't discount miracles and not expect them in my life. And in fact, Scripture says they will follow those that believe. So that means if you're here today and you're a believer, a miracle followed you in today. <laughs> whether it's for you or whether you're going to be used by God to help someone else with their miracle, if you're a believer, Scripture says something followed you into this place today. And I believe today, today this is about God showing, showing people in this place what is following you. Again, whether God works in your life today through a miracle or God, whether God works through you to help somebody in their life, I believe you're going to leave this place today knowing that there's something following you. And it's going to keep following you. It's going to follow you to work. It's going to follow you to school. It's going to follow you as you move around this community. And I believe God wants to increase our faith about what He has done in our life and the power that He has given us. And this is not my text, but it's in the same chapter, John eleven fifteen. We're going to be reading about Lazarus today. In John eleven fifteen, Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. And then he says to his disciples, and paraphrased, I'm glad for your sakes that he died. It's not to discount the miracle of Lazarus, but there was more going on than a miracle and a healing and a resurrection taking place. He wanted the disciples to understand something, that there's power that they have as well. That when he left this earth, he said, I'm going to leave my power with you. It was that power that was present in them. And so I believe that God wants to reveal to us what he's wanting to do in our lives. And I'm going to read one verse today, John chapter 11, verse 35. John eleven thirty five, 35, and it says this, Jesus wept. Now, yeah, there you go. Everyone memorize that verse. You can be a part of Bible quizzing. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Amen. And I want to preach to you today about the miracle worker. And I want us to pray specifically today as we pray for this service. I want us to pray for the gift of faith. Whether you need faith to believe that God can do something in your life, and then if you don't need a miracle today, and that's fine, pray that the gift of faith will be stirred in you to pray with someone and God can work through you today. So I want us to pray that God would release the gift of faith in this place today. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, in expectation, Lord, in thankfulness that we can gather together in your name. And Lord, I pray that you would release the gift of faith in this place today. We know that your word is anointed. We know that your spirit is here, God. And we know there's liberty and freedom in this place. Lord, I pray that you would release the gift of faith that people can realize that you can work in their situation. You can do a miracle in their life. I pray that you would work through people today, that you would stir up the gift of faith within people, believing, Lord, that as they pray, that you can move through them to do a miracle. In Jesus' name we pray today. In Jesus' name. You may be seated this morning. 
I do want to mention this has nothing to do with uh, my message, but I thought it was pretty funny. So I'll just share a little quick story with you. Last night before I went to bed, I thought I would make sure the world was still okay and got on Twitter to make sure the world was still all right. And uh, I thought it was pretty funny because you can get on Twitter if you're not on there. You can get on, you can see the top trending topics. They list them 1 through 20 of the top things that people are tweeting about. And you know what the number one tweet was? Anyone got, no, this is great. The number one topic being tweeted about last night right before I went to bed was simply Sister Jean. Sister Jean. I thought, man, the quiz team has just blown it up. I'm telling you what, it has gone worldwide. Sister Jean is the number one trending topic on Twitter. Now, if you also realize uh, March Madness is going on, there's basketball games going on, and Loyola of Chicago has been, uh, def- they have been the giant killers this year. They're a low-seeded team. They've been defeating higher-seeded team, and it's a Catholic university, and there's a 90-something-year-old nun called Sister Jean that stands courtside and prays during the whole game. But it was pretty funny to see Sister Jean as the number one trending topic. (laughs) John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. (laughs) John is very clear, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time recapping, but John is very clear when he writes that he is wanting to make us aware of something, and that fact is that Jesus was the Son of God, and He was the Son of Man. That He was fully God, And he was fully man. And as John writes, that's what he's writing towards. Helping you to understand that this man knows what is taking place in your life. But he's also something divine, much greater than than just a man. He's concerned that his reader has no doubt when he's done reading his gospel. No doubt about the dual nature of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus was no ordinary person. And I think we need to realize that today. And we catch a glimpse, the reason John writes again for a purpose, and we have this story of the raising of of Lazarus from the dead. And we catch a glimpse of the humanity of Jesus as he approaches the tomb of his friend Lazarus. We know that Jesus could have come earlier, but he did not come earlier. And his friend Lazarus, who was sick, eventually died. And after he is dead, Jesus makes his way to the place where he lay. He made his way to see his sisters, made his way to see the tomb where Lazarus was. And again, not going into a whole lot of the backstory, we know that Jesus showed up four days late, if you would. We know it was right on time. But in the middle of the situation, it appears that Jesus has shown up late, just like I think he has many times in my own life. And conversations take place with Mary and Martha and, and, and things are said and we'll come back to some of those in just a minute. But eventually he is led to the tomb where we find this simple verse, John chapter eleven thirty five, as Jesus is overcome with grief for his friend Lazarus. And this is an important verse, the shortest verse in Scripture. And John includes this short verse, just these two words, yet so powerful. Because we see in Jesus that Jesus is so visibly sorrowful that the gathered crowd notices what is taking place. That he is so sorrowful that the crowd comments about his great signs of grief. In fact, Scripture tells us that he groaned within him. And the crowd begin to say, he must have loved Lazarus very much. And so this is an important part that John writes because John wants us to understand that Jesus Christ was fully man. 
Scripture is very clear in his portrayal of Jesus that he knows and understands what I am going through in my life. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows. He is acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Scripture is very clear throughout that while we lift him up as Lord and Savior, while he walked this earth, he was not the most favored person. In fact, this verse tells us that he was despised and rejected. That Jesus Christ was acquainted with grief. That people were ashamed of Jesus. I want you to realize this morning that he is acquainted with grief. That he has experienced rejection. That Jesus Christ has experienced sorrow. He's experienced spite. And he has experienced shame. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And so in this verse again, we see the dual nature of Jesus Christ. He was without sin. He was truly God. And yet he was tempted in all points like as we are. I want you to understand that John presents to us Jesus Christ, not some nameless, faceless being, not some unapproachable, abstract, withdrawn God. No, He is touched with the feelings of what you are going through. He is affected when you go through something. When you hurt, Jesus Christ hurts. When you feel sorrow, He feels the sorrow too. He experienced what you are experiencing right now. And let me tell you this as well. He cares more about what you're going through than you will ever know. He cares more about what you're going through than your best friend, than your pastor, than even your would even care. Jesus Christ cares about what's going on in your life. This is a mystery that I don't know that we will ever fully comprehend. And if you don't believe what I'm about to say, then that's fine. But while Jesus was hanging on the cross, we know that he uttered the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, if you don't want to believe that it goes this far, that's fine. But I believe that in this, in this moment on the cross, that the humanity of Jesus felt the weight of the world's sin come upon him. That he felt your sin, that he felt my sin, that he felt the sins of the world come upon him. And the weight was so crushing that he cries out the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? me. But I believe that he felt so much more than just our sin. If that was not enough to feel our sin, I believe that it was more than just the sin. I believe he felt every emotion that uh, accompanies those sins. You see, I believe, and this is important because Jesus is fully God and fully man. I don't believe that it was just the sin that he felt. I believe that he felt the hurt that accompanies it. I believe that he felt the guilt and the shame that assails your life and my life. I believe it was the pain of a fallen world where sickness and death and sorrow are a part of our lives. I believe he felt the weight of the sorrow of where you're at right now in your life. You see, it's important for you to understand how human Jesus was. I think it's important for you to understand how much God knows about you, how much he knows what you're going through, what you're dealing with. I believe that without ever being guilty, he felt your guilt. I believe that without ever with being a shameless person, he feels the shame that you and I feel. I believe that without being fearful ever in his life, he feels the fear that you experience every day. I can't explain it. Like I said, I don't know if I'll ever be able 
able to explain it. But I believe he felt the hurt of a divorce. I believe he felt the emptiness of a spouse dying. I believe he felt the pain and the fear when, a, when a, 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 the phone call comes and the results from the test come back and it says terminal. I believe he knows what it felt like in that moment. I believe he knows how you and I feel. And I'm thankful that I have a Savior that knows what I'm going through. Hebrews chapter 2 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. So let me tell you, just because he has experienced not just our temptation, but he's also experienced our pain, our suffering, and our grief, he is able to help you when you need him the most. He cannot just, he can associate with what you're going through. Let me remind you this morning that he does want to redeem your soul, but he wants to do so much more than just redeem you. He wants to be able to reach down and say, I can help you when it gets rough. I understand what you're going through. I understand the pain that you feel. Let me help you. Let me heal you. Let me mend you. Let me do what's needed in your life. You see, I believe Jesus in his divinity wanted to be able to look down and see humanity and say, you know what? I understand what you're going through. I understand how you feel. And I know there's a lot of people you go through circumstances and situations and they can say all kinds of things, but it's very hard to understand exactly what somebody's going through. Because every situation is different. You can have three people that have all had cancer and yet they haven't experienced the same thing. Because their path and their journey is different. You can have people that have lost loved ones and it still is different. While you can associate in some way, you can't ever say, I know exactly how you feel. But let me tell you, there's one who can say to you, I know exactly how you feel. I know what it feels to do that because he bore not just our sins, but he bore the weight of all of that that comes with it. I'm thankful that he knows what I'm going through. I'm thankful that he's more than just a far off God, but he cares. He cares about my life. He cares about the details. He cares about what's happening to me. So Jesus stands at the grave of his friend Lazarus and he weeps. And let me tell you that he stands with you today. And if you're weeping, he weeps also. If you're struggling today, he feels the struggle. If you're hurt today, he's hurting with you as well. The crowd was wondering why he didn't come and heal. But Jesus, he, he stood in step with those mourning, letting him know that it wasn't just because he didn't care. No, this affects me too. Let me tell you, he's the greatest listener you'll ever have. He's the best shoulder to cry on. He can handle my anger. He can handle my tears. He can handle my anguish. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all of your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. I don't care who you talk to. I don't care what advice you get. Make sure you go to Jesus because he's the only one that you can cast all of your cares upon and he'll still love you. He'll still care for you. He'll still look down and love upon you. He's the one that I take my care to. He's the one that I take my sorrow to. And I want to challenge you that he's here today to do that in your life. He's here to comfort you if you need comfort. If you're weak, he's here to strengthen you. If you need someone to talk to, he's here to listen to. If you need someone to bind your wounds, he's here to do that. If you need someone to cry with you, then he will stand at the tomb and weep with you today. Most people are comfortable with Jesus being their burden barrier. 
burden bearer, sorry, not barrier. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't be comfortable with having a shoulder to cry on? Who wouldn't be comfortable with someone who knows exactly what you're going through? The challenge today is that many people have, uh, while this is true, again, I I find today in our society that's so polarizing, we take either or stances. And Jesus was not man or God, he was both. And so while many people understand this aspect of Jesus, that I can go to him when I'm weak, that I can go, and all of that is true, and all of that is real and absolute 100%. But too many people today have equated Jesus with just some sort of spiritual therapist. He's there to listen to me. He's there to comfort me. He's there to do all those things. And this does not negate any of that. He is there to do that. But I want to remind you today that while He's the greatest listener that you can have, that while He will bear your burdens, that while He will weep with you while you cry, He's not just my therapist. No, this tells us that He's so much more. He's the grave robber in my life. He's the miracle worker in my life. He's there to resurrect. He's there to give life. He's there to give life more abundantly if I need He's so much more than just a therapist in my life. He's so much more than just a shoulder to cry on. He's not just a friend, but he's the winemaker. He's not just the shoulder I cry on, but he's the water walker in my life. He's not just a comfort, but he is the multiplier when I need him in my life. He can not only console you, but he has the power to change your situation. He's not... You see, he'll listen to your situation, he'll weep with you, he'll cry with you, but then he has the power to step in and say, all right, the tears are over, it's time for crying to be done. I'm ready to change your situation. I'm ready to call this out of the grave. I'm ready to do something that will transform your life. One author said it this way, while he's the greatest teacher, while he's the greatest uh, 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 rabbi, while he's the greatest preacher there ever was, don't ever lower Jesus to just being a great teacher. Don't ever lower Jesus to just being a great preacher. No, he's so much more than that. He is God wrapped in the flesh. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the transformer of your life. He can change what is impossible in your life. And I'm thankful for that song the choir sang this morning. In fact, I was going to ask him, I thought, well, no, I'll just see what they come up with. And they came up with the one I wanted, so good job. But I do take some issue with the song. I'm sorry. Even though I wanted the song, I wanted the song. Because it says, and I ran out of the grave. He called my name and I ran out of the grave. I just want to be real practical about this. If that's really what happened... If Jesus called Lazarus' name and he came running out of there, he was in for a rude awakening. He would have run smack into a stone. (laughs) He would have stubbed his toe pretty hard. This is important because here's the first words that Jesus spoke after weeping. I know it's funny, but it's part of this. The first words that Jesus spoke after crying and showing his humanity and showing that I care, that, 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 that I understand what's going on here. John chapter eleven thirty five. 35, it's all short verses from John 11. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Before Lazarus could ever come out, the stone had to be rolled away. 
He's not content just suffering with you. He wants to let His power show up in your life. In fact, He cares too much about you to leave you like He found you. I'm thankful for that. That He's not content to leave me weeping, sorrowful, and grieving. But His power wants to do something. And there comes a moment, though, when Jesus says, All right, the tears are over. It's time to get to work. Mm. Because Jesus is never content to end in sorrow. He's never content to let the story end in defeat. He's never content to to have the story end with a bunch of what-ifs. So he commands them to roll away the stone. One preacher said, as a general rule, a word of command goes before a word of power or else with it. That means there's a command that has to happen and then the power comes. Jesus said, go wait. And when they did what he said, they followed the command. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Before the miracle of Lazarus coming forth could ever happen, the command went forth and they had to follow the command. And let me challenge you today. You and I have things that stand between us and our miracle coming out of the grave. We have a stone many times. And the reason... The reason that the miracle is not happening has nothing to do with the situation in the grave and it has nothing to do with the power of Jesus. It has everything to do with the stone that's in front of it. Now you understand that this is a partnership and this is the only thing that he commanded them to do is take away the stone. If you're willing to take away the stone, Lazarus will come out of the grave. If you're willing to follow my command and... roll the stone away, then I will do something miraculous. Let me tell you, when it comes to miracles, when it comes to the impossible, when it comes to feeding the 5,000, when it comes to walking on water, when it comes to healing the blind eyes, we're human. So we have doubts. We have fears. We have doctor's reports that say different. We have situations that we know are going from bad to worse. We have the tangible evidence of failure. We have the cigarette packets that are piled up from all the times that we quit. We have all of this stuff piled up, the tangible evidence of failure. We have the guilt. We have the shame. We have all the times we've prayed before and asked and it still hasn't happened. That's the stone that sits in front of us many times in our life. And we are afraid just as they were. Here it is. If I roll the stone away... Something bad's going to come out. What'd they say? It's been four days and he stinks. Now I have, a, I have a child who could easily go four days without bathing and he can stink. I'm not going to tell you which one. It may be both. But you know what? Jesus is getting ready to do something. Now, I don't know what the crowd thought was going to happen. I, I, I have no we, We're not told as the, as the crowd starts nudging each other and saying, he's going to call him out of the grave, or what is this guy? We don't know what was happening. But we do know that Jesus said, roll away the stone. And immediately, whether, whether they're valid or not, excuses came. It was a valid excuse. The stench was going to be nauseating. 
A valid excuse. Lord, you don't know what I've got buried there. Lord, you don't know the guilt that may come out if I begin to move this. Lord, you don't know the fear that's behind there. Lord, you don't know what a step of faith toward the, towards the altar is going to do. You don't know what may come out. And I love what Jesus does. I love what he does about the stone. I love what he does with the excuses. You know what he does? Nothing. Nothing. He never addresses the smell. He doesn't say, well, you know what? Why don't you go get some of those green trees and we'll rub them over the stone, those little pine, pine trees. Why don't we get some of that floral spray that'll just make it smell like nasty flowers? Jesus never addresses the issue. You know why? Because he doesn't, he doesn't care about the smell. He doesn't care about your excuses. He doesn't care about all the reasons that you can bring for why he can't do a miracle. He doesn't care about your uh, fears and he doesn't care about your doubts. He doesn't care about your insecurities because they need mean nothing when it comes to the miracle. All he does is simply remind them, hey, you've got all these excuses about the smell, but I just want to tell you one thing. I am the resurrection and I am the life. And if you want to let the smell stop what's going to happen, that's fine. But I'm here to bring life. I'm here to resurrect something that was dead. I'm here to do the impossible, a miracle that all only God can do. So I'm here to challenge you today. It doesn't matter what excuse you have for why God can't do something in your life. God doesn't care about the excuse. It's not going to stop God doing anything in your life. If I'm willing to step up and say, I don't care what people think. I don't care how long I've prayed. I don't care how bad the situation is. I'm coming forward again. I'm going to pray one more time. There's no telling what Jesus Christ can call out of your life today. He's here reminding you that He is the resurrection in the life. He's here to remind you that He already bore the stripes for your healing. He's, already, he's here to remind you that He already bore your griefs and carried your sorrows. He's here to remind you that He will give you joy for mourning. He will open prison doors. He will set the captives free. He will give beauty for ashes, a spirit of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And I'm winding down. My stomach's hurting. But let me remind you real quickly of what he's already done. <laughs> let me remind you of what he's already done. I know you've done some bad stuff, and I know the situation in front of you is impossible. But let me remind you who you're talking to. Not me, but let me remind you who you're talking to. You're talking to Jesus Christ. He's already encountered death. He's already faced an enemy that thought it had him defeated. And just when the enemy thought it was over, Jesus came in and said, Hey, I'll take those keys to death, hell, and the grave. He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. So my situation is well within the realm of possibility. My healing is well within what Jesus Christ can do. He's already done all that. What can he do in your life? And let me remind you, he raised Lazarus without the keys of death, hell, and the grave. <laughs> so what can he do when he's got the keys in his hand? What can he do in your life? What life can he bring to you today? When it comes time for a miracle, you just need to decide, am I going to roll the stone away? Whether it's fear, whether it's doubt, 
whether it's simply the reality of your life. The reality was there was going to be an awful smell when that stone was rolled away. They weren't faking it. It was real. So this is not to say that what is going on in your life is not real. This is not to paint a false reality. No, bring your reality to Jesus. Jesus can affect your reality, not your fake. So it doesn't matter what your reality is. Whatever the stone is in your life, whatever it hides, Jesus is not near as concerned with it as you are. He's just looking to get to the miracle today. He's just trying to get to the part where he can reveal who he is and what he's about. He's ready to call the miracle out of the grave in your life today. Whether it seems like something small and insignificant, like turning water into wine for a guy who may have forgot to order the wine for his wedding. He's ready to be the winemaker. He's ready to speak the word into your life and become the way maker in your life. You may have been in your position for 38 years like the man who laid by the pool. But when the rule breaker shows up, it's never too late for God to do something in your life. You may just say, well, I've just got a small offering of five loaves and two fishes. What is it amongst so many? But you know what? Your loaves and fishes, when placed in the hands of the multiplier, can become enough and more than enough for what you need in your life. He's the water walker who knows exactly where you are in the storm. And he will challenge your fears and say, peace be still. I've got it under control. He's the mud maker who isn't concerned with blame, but he just wants to heal you physically, emotionally, and mentally. And lastly, he's the grave robber who has the resurrection power to undo and resurrect it. What you count is done and settled in your life. You've buried it. You've put it in the ground. But he steps up and says, it's not over till I say it is. It's not over because I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus Christ wants to do a miracle in your life today. And I'm closing this morning. You may have been carried here today. You may have come wrapped in grave clothes, barely able to walk like Lazarus. You may have a crowd that questions who sinned. They're just there talking about you. I wonder why they're there. I wonder what they've done. I wonder why they need healing. I wonder what sin they've got in their life. You may have all that. But I want to challenge you today to simply come. I'm challenging you today to roll away the stone. That's it. You see, that's the thing with Jesus. If he's the answer, I don't need the answer. I just need to roll away the stone and trust and believe in him. But I want you to know this, that if you come, you better believe that you can leave different because that's what an encounter with Jesus will do every single time. It will leave you different than how you approached him. Jesus always says, whosoever will, let him come. In today's vernacular, come however you want, come however you are. But an encounter with Jesus Christ always must leave with, I'm leaving different than how I came to him. I'm leaving different because you cannot encounter Jesus. You cannot encounter the grave robber. You cannot encounter the miracle worker and be the same person that you were before. As they come to the music this morning, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. 
I mentioned this verse before in one of the lessons. And this is speaking, this is the chapter where it talks about heaven and how great heaven's going to be. And how wonderful and all the things that won't be there that we experience now. It talks about the wonder of heaven. (laughs) And we know that's not now, that's future. However, this verse in verse 5, it says, Behold, I make all things new. This verse is not written in future tense. It's not written in past tense. It's written in present tense. And he said, write these words. What words? Behold, I make all things new. Why? Because they are true and they are faithful. Jesus Christ will make you new today if you'll let him. How do I know that? Because it says it's true and faithful. You don't have to wait for heaven to receive a miracle. God can work miracles right now in your life. Now, let me say, I understand there's, there's two parts to Hebrews 11. I understand that. I understand that Psalms 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I understand there's some things I have to go through. And you know what? Let me just say this real quick. My personality doesn't like help. You know what? You know what it actually becomes when I, when I say I'm just going to plow through it? It actually becomes an issue of pride. I'm going to make it. And while we'll come up here and people that need the Holy Ghost, we'll tell them to let go and push and pull and do all this stuff. We're no different. It doesn't matter if you walk for, with God for 35 years. You still need to push, pull, let go, yield, do all that stuff. And so I understand that there's two sides to Hebrews 11. But I can get so focused that I'm just going to plow through no matter what. I'm just, that I forget that there is another side. That while some people had to just walk through, some people were cut in two, all that happened. Some were delivered. Some were set free. Some experienced victories like we have never experienced. And so it's not again an either or. But I can come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm willing to go through whatever. But I'm not going to discount that I have to go through it. Because sometimes he pulls me out of the situation. And I've got to come believing that he can pull me out of my sickness. He can pull me out of my circumstance. That he can do the miracle. John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Similar to what Brother Gene read in Sunday school this morning in 1 John. It says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. You know what? There's things in my life. That I, I, I just don't know if I can ask for. Because it seems too impossible. It seems too big. I know God can do everything, but He hasn't seen this. I know God can do all kinds of stuff, but I know they, uh, they, they didn't know about me when they wrote that. No. Perhaps the reason, as James says, is we have not because we ask not. So I'm challenging you to ask again. Jesus speaks with authority. And then he declares that we can enter his throne room with the same authority because of what he did, because of his sacrifice. So we speak with authority. We enter boldly into the throne room, asking for his glory to surround us, his power to do the supernatural, not because of who we are, not because we're just gathered here together, not because we have anything special or great, but because of his sacrifice and what he has already done.
for us. I just want to end with this. <laughs> it was on the way home from prayer meeting one night, so maybe I was all caught up in the spirit. Maybe that's why I thought this. <laughs> but I turned on NPR. There you go. And they were getting ready to have a debate between uh, some Jewish person and some uh, Islamic person about, I can't even say the politically correct words, inclu inclusiveness. I was trying to say inclusivity, which that's not even right either. About being inclusive and, 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 and accepting each other. And so the lady who was getting ready to moderate, she started saying these words, just trying to get the debate started. <laughs> And the, and the one lady interrupts and said, just hold on a minute. I just, I just kind of have problems with those words you're saying because it just feels like they don't quite explain what we're really feeling. And the other guy, he said, yes. He said, yeah, this just doesn't cover the breadth. This just doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't, words, we can't even get the right words to explain how we feel and, and to be inclusive enough of our feelings. And again, maybe it was just because I was on the way home for prayer meeting and I was fired up. But then they made this statement. They said, words just have such limits. And you know what I thought? That's true. That's true. But I know one word. I know one name that has no limit. It's the name of Jesus. And let me just tell you today, whatever you need today, His name has no limits. If it's healing, there's no limit. If it's deliverance, there's no limit. If it's a financial problem, he has no limit. If it's an addiction, there is no limit. There's only one word that has no limits. And that's the name that we worship today. As you stand this morning, why don't we give praise to the name of Jesus? Why don't we honor the name of Jesus today? Come on, let's worship him right now. It has no limits. Come on. He reached into your life. He reached into your situation. And he did something in your life when it seemed impossible. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's let faith arise in this place right now. Come on. The resurrection in life is here right now. It's here to do a work in your life. If you need a miracle today, God can do something in your life. It's not by our might or our power. It's not with our eloquency of words, but it's the power of God that can reach and change and transform and pull you out of your situation today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's people that are already here. I just want to tell you how we're going to do this real quick. If you need a healing, I want you to come over here. A physical healing. If you need a mental or emotional healing, I want you to come in this area. If you've got addictions or things that are keeping you bound, I want you to come over here. And if you've got financial or family or work, whatever other problem, I want you to come over here. Now I want you to listen. 
Because you may be here and you may not need a miracle. But here's what I'd like you to do. We're going to pray real quick here. I'm going to explain this and we're going to pray. Then I'd like you to do this. There's people in this place who have been healed miraculously. There's people in this place who had mental and emotional issues. God took anger out of my life. That's an emotional issue. That have been healed by Jesus Christ. There's people that have had addictions and they stand in this place now whole. Why? Because of the power of Jesus Christ. And there's people who had work situations, family situations, financial problems, and the power of Jesus Christ delivered them from that situation. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray that God would release His faith one more time. And then I would like some testimonies. Not physic- not not speaking But if you've been healed miraculously, I would like you to come over to this side. If you've had an emotional or mental healing, God's already touched you in your testimony to come here. If God's healed you of addictions, then I want you to come here. If it's something else that God has done, I want you to come over here. Because your testimony, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You're not going to have to get a microphone and speak, but I want you to represent what God has already done. And you're a testimony that He can make all things new. I want us to pray right now. Lord Jesus.